0: This episode is brought to you by Canela Bistro and Wine Bar, serving Spanish plates and over 70 wines from Spain, in the heart of San Francisco. Visit us socially at CanelaSF and CanelaSF.com. You're listening to Food, Wine, and the Culinary Mind with Matt Schuster. We're getting inside the brilliant and delicious minds of remarkable culinary individuals. We're telling stories, cutting up, and breaking it down.
1: I'm back with Eric Rogers. Hey, Matt. It's great to be here on a beautiful sunny day in San Francisco. San Francisco. At EricR88
0: on Instagram if you want to shout out to Eric. So what an awesome interview we just had with 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 joanne weir i cannot wait to you know for, for for everybody to hear this she was so fantastic to let us sit in her her studio kitchen it was uh really such an amazing place to you know to to yeah, we should
1: do all of our interviews in here. So. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Us. Yeah, I'm sure that'd be fine. <laughs> I'm
0: sure she would. I'm sure she would love that. Uh, a, a, a little <laughs> knock at the door, and we're we're, we're we, we're we booked it. We booked it this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> so, so for those of you who who don't know who Joanne Weir is, let me just tell you a little bit about her. She's a James Beard Award-winning cookbook author, international cooking teacher, chef, and television personality. Her cooking shows include We're Cooking in the Wine Country, We're Cooking in the City, Joanne Weir's Cooking Class, Joanne Weir's Cooking Confidence, Joanne Weir Gets Fresh, Plates and Places, which is her newest series, which just won a Taste Award for Best New Series, which is amazing. That's a big award to win. And and we saw the award. It looked hefty. Yeah. Uh, You could probably use it as a weapon is my my (laughs) guess. Uh, She's the author of 17 cookbooks. Uh, Her newest and favorite is Kitchen Gypsy, Recipes and Stories from a Lifelong Romance with Food, which is also kind of a a memoir as well, which is uh, such a great idea. Um, She is a... Uh, uh best I think known for just teaching people how to cook. I think when you when you want to break it down in, in either in a show form or a book form or in person. she's a cooking teacher. She teaches others to cook throughout the world. Uh, her award-winning culinary journeys take students to study with her along the Mediterranean, in Italy, Spain, France, Morocco, and Greece. So I mean what a what a fantastic life that sounds like. Yeah, definitely amazing. Eric, do you think that you
1: could lead people on tours? around the world? <laughs> <laughs> where I, f- I feel like I would need some training. I've done some, I've actually done adventure travel as one of my many jobs in my very colorful resume. Uh, what, what what does that involve? Uh, in my case, it involved working for a company called The Green Tortoise, which uh, took old buses and tore out the I interiors. remember those. Yeah, and slept 36 people. And we had a self-contained kitchen and we would buy like We would do about 70% of the meals, like, on the bus. Like, not on the bus itself, but outside. Like, we'd set up picnic tables and... Where would you go? We went cross-country down into Mexico, Alaska, Yosemite. So the trips could vary from two days to almost a month long, depending on which one you did. And, yeah, so it was... uh, I'm sure you learned some life lessons living with 36 people in a bus. You'd be amazed. Like you were kind of. <laughs> it was one of those jobs where you were a chef, a camp counselor, a driver, a guide, pretty much just about anything you could. A warden, do. yeah. <laughs> At times, yeah, for sure. Well, I think
0: my next trip would probably be more one that is um, not on a bus with 36 people sleeping. Um, I'll look more into Joanne's tours. I think, um, but. Here we go. We are sitting in Joanne's kitchen and talking about food and life. Enjoy. I'm here with friend, improviser, and actor Eric Rogers. Hey, everyone. And the fantastic, wonderful Joanne Weir. Oh, thanks so much. So we're going to dive in because we have a lot to talk about. The first thing that that. I would like to do is is ask your permission to come on a, a little journey and an exercise with me, if that's okay. Okay. And I think Eric's gonna follow, <laughs> Eric's gonna follow. Are you gonna oh follow yeah, along? that would be great. Okay. And this is fun. We we do this in improv class, and 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 I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. So I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes.
2: Okay. okay.
0: All right. So take yourself to a room in the past. It can be from Anytime, doesn't have to be time specific. So while you're traveling, you're gonna just settle in on a room that stands out to you. So here you are standing in a room, you are looking around, settle on the walls, the color, the texture. Is there a special feature to the wall? So you're continuing to look around and you're looking up at the ceiling. What does the ceiling look like? What are the features? What's the height or the lack thereof? Your eyes are continuing to travel and you're looking now at the floor What does the floor look like? If you weren't wearing any shoes, what would the floor feel like? Is it smooth? Is it rough? Is it fluffy? What's the temperature like in the room? Is it dry? Is it warm? Is it cool? So take a last look around the room. And then now you can come back. And open your eyes. And then tell me about it. Tell me where Tell me where you went.
2: I went to my grandmother's kitchen.
0: Tell me about it. Tell and, me what you saw.
2: Well, it was actually the dining room. I was in the dining room and it was, um, there was this beautiful. This is in um, New England and it's in the Berkshires. And it's the most beautiful farmhouse. And um, the walls were kind of, I, I don't really remember, but I made them turquoise because I think it was a color she loved. And um, the floors were big, wide planks. I know that's true. They were wood, and they're beautiful, uh, smooth and really beautiful and shiny. But the thing that – I'm a beautiful, big, long table. um, But the thing I really remember is there's a fireplace, and the fireplace is slate. And it's just these big, massive – um pieces of slate and there was a lot of slate around where my grandparents were and it's just the most beautiful room ceilings are really high it's a i mean this was um a house that had 28 rooms in it it was victorian and really just and and the kitchen it was open so it was a hey it was a really early kind of open floor plan because um the dining room was right there Uh, with the kitchen was right in the same room. And it was, there was kind of an island. And I don't even remember the kitchen as much as I remember the table. It's funny.
0: So why do you think you remember the table so much?
2: Because I think it's, I think in my life, I think the table's always been important. And I think my mother just, you know, that was my mother's parents. And I think she always thought of, you know, thought of the table as really important in our lives.
0: Mm -hmm. And then...
2: Because it's funny, I went back and forth. Should I go to the other room that I was thinking sure. of at first? And that was the table growing up.
0: Uh-huh. So
2: it was in my parents' house. And so what was funny was I went, no, no, no. It was my grandmother's house. It just seemed more, it just was so visual for me.
0: And so you grew up in your grandmother's house?
2: No, I grew up in my parents' house, but we would go there on Saturdays. Ah. We'd go every Saturday and we'd have these incredible lunches that my grandfather would have made, whether it was at that table or we were sitting outside under the maple trees. So he would make these picnic lunches. And so food was really important in my grandparents' house also.
0: And your grandfather cooked?
2: My grandfather cooked, yeah. That's great. Yeah, my grandfather, he was a professional cook. He Well, I mean... He was also, he had a big dairy farm. It was called the Bryant Farm. William Cullen Bryant, the poet and statesman, gave it to my great-grandfather. So it was the house my, grandparent, my grandfather grew up in, and it was just the most beautiful, beautiful house. Um, and what he did was, it was also this dairy farm, so he did that, and that was pretty full-time, but he also brought people in the summer From New York and they would come to the farm and they would kind of experience being in New England and being on the farm and that would be their holiday. My grandfather, it was kind of like a bed and breakfast, but it wasn't really. I mean, he would cook all their meals for them um, just during the summer. And I don't know how often he did it, but he loved cooking. Like his idea of cooking was he made everything from the rolls, he made the sausages. He, you know, if you were going to have chicken salad sandwiches, he butchered the chicken. Wow. I thought every kitty ate like that, you know, until <laughs> I went to school yeah. and so, Whoa, <laughs> no, I think this is unique. You were lucky
1: for yeah. sure. Quickly,
2: quickly, Eric, where did you go? You
1: what know, interestingly your... enough, I also went to my grandparents' house. Oh, but you were uh, vibing. You were v- vibing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was in the air apparently. But a very different experience. They lived in suburban Glens Falls, New York, or Glen, Glenville, New York, actually. And the room itself was the basement, which my grandfather had remodeled in the 1960s and turned into sort of a living area den, slash there was a bar in one corner, mm-hmm. and the walls was were- it a, Was it a rumpus room? Mm, my brother and I used it as such, but <laughs> not officially. And there was, let's see, laminated paneling for the walls and a drop ceiling, and the floor was tile with these sort of like fake rocks with these little rivulets in between that I would trace my fingernails through as a little (laughs) kid and be endlessly fascinated by and there was a fireplace, quote unquote, but it was made out of fiberglass and uh-huh. had a fake set of logs with this uh, like aluminum foil thing in the middle that had an orange light shining on it. And we'd go, whoa, 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 <laughs> It actually gave yeah. off heat. It was so it cool. It gave off heat. It actually, yeah, it was an actual heater, but yeah. I don't know if they like pumped electric heat through it and kind of gave the the vibe of a fireplace, but wow. not quite the same ambiance. So two 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 rooms, completely different. Yeah. So, so talk about a a
0: little bit, Joanna, about uh, the family meals growing up.
2: So growing up, well, my mom was a professional cook. So, um, you know, we, I had great food growing up. I mean, and, and the other thing, the reason I probably went to the table in my parents' house too was because I think my mother seriously made three courses just because she loved the table and she loved spending time and hearing about our day and talking together and my brother would be funny and we made jokes and um, it was just really great memories. How was he funny? Oh, he's still funny, let me tell you. He's very cynical and funny. And I mean, he just would get us going and we would laugh so hard. I mean, he's just... Anyway... um, I just i I don't know how to describe his humor. It's probably a little cutting sometimes, mm-hmm. um but anyway, gosh, I hope he doesn't hear this but <laughs> you know, he, maybe he should <laughs> but um so, um, yeah, the table I, you know, my mother she always cooked, and she wasn't comfortable with us being in the kitchen. She was much more comfortable why, why do you
0: think why do you think so? I
2: think she got a little anxious. Actually, I think was she, it a
0: control thing? Was it a cleanliness thing? Was no, it a no?
2: No, I think it just made her a little nervous. She just and I'm a little the same way. I, I like being in the kitchen by myself a lot. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes when people say, "Oh, I'll come over early and help," I'm kind of like, "Oh, I like that quiet time." You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think maybe she liked that. You know,
0: and maybe to be prepared. I know in in the restaurant kitchen, right? You want to be prepared, right? right. So you want to line up your time in a way as to you're going to be prepared and i think right. that really gets into your mm-hmm. into your mind like you know i, I want to prepare everything i need my time i need my space right, right. so um well it's uh, a, a gorgeous kitchen you have here by the way we're we're we're, we're sitting in and joanne's been very gracious in, in letting us uh, record in her in her dining room and uh, i you call can it s- my
2: studio kitchen because this is where i film so it's really special place for me
0: I would I would want to spend time cooking in here <laughs> myself uh, you have even what's catching my eye now is is a whole array of turquoise vases of uh, above your fireplace mm-hmm. and it's just uh, it's, it's it's really visually very stimulating Thank I love you. it and a lot of Thank color you. around um, so you can tell
2: that's my art background coming through <laughs> and it's and
0: it's great I mean why why not why not work live in a beautiful place so so tell me you know, I had asked you before to say something that that people don't know about you, and you had responded with that you're your own worst critic. And so I uh, want you to I want you to explore that a little bit with us.
2: Oh, I'm absolutely. You don't need to say my food isn't good or what I'm wearing because I've already gone over it a thousand times. Um, I analyze a lot of stuff, and I um, I think people probably I think it's funny because I'm speaking about my brother again, but. You know, people always said that we were kind of aloof, and I think we probably weren't aloof. We probably have a little bit of insecurity, mm. and um, and we're really good at looking like we're really secure. And um, but inside, I'm always thinking, I should have, I should have. I'm married to someone who always says, you know what? Don't look back. Don't you can't mm. look back. You can't change it. What is it about looking back and then looking forward? You have to just stay in the moment. So mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's some saying about that. But well,
0: there's, there, I think there's a few, right? There's like, you know, don't cry over spilled milk, which is the, right. the one that I always try to think right, of. And, right. you know, it's, um, it, it is, it's, you know, do you find that as you get older, some of that kind of melts away a little bit or?
2: I think it does. And it also, you know, with success mm-hmm. also helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, um, yeah, I, I think that it does melt away a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, I think
2: it's still there.
1: I can hum a few bars with that one. <laughs> <laughs> the whole worst critic part of it. Yeah, for sure. I feel that. When- Do you think that sometimes
0: it drives you to be even better? Sure. Right?
2: I was one thing I was going to say is I really work hard mm-hmm. to const I'm Always trying to better things mm-hmm. always you know and and I know that's what probably what keeps me so busy is that i I really care and I really yeah I want it to just be I want to be the best
0: you set you set the bar high for yourself very yeah yeah well as as for those of you who heard the intro uh, to Jan's life, that is clear with the amount of of, of things uh, that you have done. So, and are continuing to do.
2: I'm always shocked. I have to tell you this about, I'm always shocked when people um, give an introduction for me. I'm, I'm just thinking, I couldn't have done all of those things. And I can't tell you how many people say, how do you even sleep? Like when I hear the stuff that you're doing, I don't know how you, but seriously, I do take some time. A little bit. <laughs> it, it, you,
0: you, you, must. I mean, you know, I, I'm getting a lot of bios in for these, you know, for these interviews, right. and you know, some people have done more things than others. Right. It's just, it's just how it is, or at least they're, right. you know, that's how, that's how it's coming across. So. I want to talk with you a little bit, you know, you alluded to, 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 to confidence and, and, and what that is. So, and, you know, confidence, I think sometimes can be kind of like a tricky word, right? You know, it's, it's confidence that is perceived and it's confidence that is earned and it's confidence that is, uh, uh, you know, sought after. So, so tell me your, Lens of confidence and your your experience with confidence, and talk about that a little bit.
2: You know, when you first asked me, I know you asked me before about confidence, and one of the things I think about is when I travel and teach a lot, right? I teach all over the world, and one of the things is after I teach a class and people come up and say, and I see, I still sound like I'm bragging, and I'm not, but they'll say that was the best class or that was the best dinner I've ever had here. I'm like okay, that made my day. Now, why can't I feel that inside, you know? So, yeah, Mm. I doubt myself. And so um, I get a lot of confidence, and I know this from other people. You know, And reassurance from other people. Are you like that?
1: Yeah, I feel like uh, especially when you're in a position where you're making yourself vulnerable, you're putting your craft out there in some way, shape, or form to be judged in a way. I know for me, like doing when I've been acting or whatever, you know, just like that pressure of feeling like I – you know, you don't feel like you're in it, or you're second guessing yourself, and then people come and be like, "That was amazing." Yeah, so right. I was like, "Really? Yeah, okay, right. thanks."
2: <laughs> I know. It was funny because we were talking before about improv, and that was the other thing. I thought, oh, I could never do that. Like the whole thing of judging, I will be. They're all judging me.
0: Well, there's that. There's this. Well, there's this. This. It's not because there's this whole concept of your inner critic, and we talk about that a lot, and that you shouldn't listen to your inner critic. You know, if you if you can get to the point where you get your inner critic, you know, to shut the hell up. Then the stuff that comes out your 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 first pass of things your first you know your your first thoughts of things they're always the the best ones right you
2: know?
1: mm-hmm.
0: so um, it's true uh, it is um it, it's it, it's something that I always think about when people post comments and being in the public eye. Oh. So you know in a restaurant, you know, we're we're, you know, and and, and I want to talk about Kopita, your your mm-hmm. your venture here in, in a minute, but but in in the restaurant world and in the acting world, you know, you open yourself up to criticism. And now with things online and everything, oh, you know, in yeah. social media, you know, that uh, feedback is in, is instant right it's immediate so so how how do you navigate that what are your thoughts on that
2: well i mean for me i'm on television all over the country and for the yeah, most you said part,
0: uh, you said was it 3 380
2: 342 and, million viewers in a which year which is just that's just
0: mind-blowing right. blow- mind and mind so blowing.
2: you know people will write on social media and I, you know, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and most people or Twitter, most people are saying, you know, I love what you do. I love, I've learned to cook through you. And that is the best compliment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's an occasional person that says something like, I can't stand your voice. Or why do you wear those v-neck tops? I mean, it's just whatever, you know, it's, it's stupid stuff.
0: Does it get easier over time or it always kind of needles you just a little bit?
2: It depends what it is. Right. It really depends what it is. I mean, I have to tell you, I just read one the other day, and it was from a guy who said, "I'm absolutely in love with you," and I was like, "Okay, that balances all <laughs> the other ones because he looked kind of cute, right?" Um, I love to send those to Joe, my husband. <laughs> I love. Good. I just want you to know. A little jealousy somebody is healthy. Uh huh.
0: That's uh-huh. going to take
2: me if you are if you're not good to me. No. You're, you're trade in the <laughs> um, trade yeah. in model, right? Right. So, um, no, but you know that is it's like so easy for people to write those things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. easy. It's the same with the restaurant, you know. Oh, come on! And people don't know. Like I put my heart into what I mm-hmm. do. You mm-hmm. know.
0: Yeah, the view I take is if I can get something learnable out of it and I can grow from it. Right. I, I justify it. But but sometimes people are mean. Sometimes people are just, they're just service abusers, you yeah. know, and and either coming from a place that that maybe they don't just don't understand. Um, and in fact, I was listening to another podcast where the host talks about um, he didn't have a culinary background and it was a food podcast. And then with starting his food-based podcast, he realized how much work and sweat and tears and love goes into making food. And he was one of those people who was giving these really crazy, you know, bad Yelps. And then he said he took his Yelp account down because he he had an awakening and he realized, you know, that he was just kind of talking out of his butt.
2: Right. So. Do you think maybe we could have every person that writes all those (laughs) negative things on Yelp, we could just give them their own restaurant or their own TV show and then see how they perform?
0: I think everyone should work in a restaurant at some point in their life. You know, we're we're in the industry, uh, you know, Pete from Water Bar, who I'm sure you know, uh, he said something to me a long time ago that really stuck in my head in this industry, we're responsible for training people how to be in their first jobs mm-hmm. in, in the working world. Mm-hmm. We take these these kids, you know, who are like, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, and you're you're showing them not just how to, you know, work in a restaurant, but how to show up on time, right. how not to be a jerk to your right. coworkers, you know, right. how to how to be in the working world. It's a big responsibility. Right. It's true. You know. That, that's always really stuck with me with that. Um, so, Copita. Tell me how Copita came to be. And, and and for those of you who haven't been there, it's a fantastic Mexican and mezcal and, and tequila bar located in Sausalito. It's delicious. So, so tell well, me how you got into that.
2: You know, um, I wrote 16 cookbooks, um, 15 cookbooks, that were all about the Mediterranean. And I... Um, I went to the launch of a tequila brand. I'm going way back. I mean, it's not third grade, but I'm going back. Um, I went to the launch of a tequila brand in San Francisco and it was at Tommy's. You probably know Tommy's. Do you know that place? Um, uh, out 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 of Adam yeah. Gary. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really great. But yeah. anyway, it was a new tequila that was coming out in this square sexy square bottle. And I went there and it was mostly men and there were just a few women that were there. And, um, I went around and I started talking to the women. I was just like, do you like tequila? And they are like, yes, I love tequila. And I thought, why is it that it's a male spirit? I don't understand why people consider it that way. So I decided to start this group called Agave Girls Hmm. um, for women who love tequila, except that I changed it after I didn't want to have, you know, a bunch of swilling women who wanted to shoot back shots. (laughs) Instead, I changed it for women who appreciate tequila. There you go. And I did my very first event. I'd invited 45 women i have 100 women that came to that event and it was such a fabulous event and so then i did a few other um and i started this by the way 11 years 12 years ago so a long time ago and um and then i did a few events and my agent said to me why don't you write a book about tequila and i was like what would i write i'm not a bartender what would i write and so i decided to do this it's a um i mean a real primer it's not a huge book but it included 40, the history of tequila and just stories about tequila, but then also um, 40 cocktails um, using tequila from the top bartenders around the country, the top wow. tequila bartenders. because. Most bartenders, you know, kind of specialize in one spirit. So that's what I did. And then they, so I published the book. It did really well. And I had a Larry Mendel, who's a very well-known restaurateur in San Francisco. Um, Joe, my husband and I were on his boat off the coast of Mexico. And uh, I, Larry said, I love tequila. And I said, well, here, I have to bring you a copy of my book. And he said, oh, he said, I love it. I said, yeah, so do I. I said, I make a, he said, I make a great margarita. And I said, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) I think my margarita is better. He goes, let's do a competition. And so um, he shook up his margarita. It was Blanco tequila, seriously, two drops of lime juice and maybe two drops of agave nectar. And mine was what I consider very well balanced with agave nectar and lime juice. Same three ingredients, but it was just Mm -hmm. more well balanced. Different proportions. His Uh was just so strong at alcohol. So anyway, he handed me his, I handed him mine and I tasted his and I was just about choking. I mean, it was really a strong <laughs> drink, right? And he tasted mine and this is exactly his words. He said, God damn it, Joanne, you nailed it. He said, that is the best margarita I've ever had. He said, if I found a location to open a Mexican restaurant, would you open it with me? Well, by now I've had two margaritas. That's amazing.
0: And yeah. what did I say? Yeah, yeah. Of course, you said yes. I said yeah. yes. It's yeah. an
2: amazing. I had it on my bucket list. This is something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. If the right partner came along. Yeah. But I'm not a Mexican chef. Right. So anyway, uh, you know, I really should have opened something Mediterranean, but I like you. But instead, I opened a Mexican restaurant, and we hired a chef. Who quit a week before mm. we opened, and we got so much press. If you wait till you know, like when you're my age, you open your first restaurant, everybody was curious. Like, what was I doing? Well, and you
0: also, right? You had a name for yourself, yes. and I mean, I was yeah. already on
2: television. Right. I'd already, I mean, we've had the restaurant now seven years, but I was, mm. I'd already been on television by then thirteen years. So people, you know, the first day we had 500 covers. Mm. We only have 45 seats, mm. 47 seats, and then with the outside it's like 58 or something. So anyway. We opened this restaurant and uh, it was crazy. The, and I, in, instead of walking around in like cute clothes and saying to people, how is everything? There I was back in my chef's jacket and I seriously was up to my elbows making guacamole. Wow! I mean, we it was just a crazy busy restaurant. And the sous chef had no experience in the restaurant business. Mm. You're like mm. this. Is like a real nightmare. Yeah, I'm.
0: I'm. I'm, I'm visualizing this in my head. And oh I, no, the
2: lines were out the door. Uh. People were standing up with plates of carnitas. It was ridiculous. And she had no experience, but she was. She was a very good chef, mm-hmm. um, but no experience in the restaurant. She mm. um, came from La Cocina, mm. and so um, and she was great. But anyway, um, it was crazy. I seriously almost had a nervous breakdown when I tell you, and that's in all well, honesty. I. Uh, it was the most intense time in my life. And just, I-
1: I was going to say, just envisioning that with my anxiety, like right. I'm feeling <laughs> I'm feeling the <laughs> right. yeah, verge well, of- yeah. And your yeah.
2: palms are sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, that Eric, story.
0: and Eric and I were talking about on the way over here, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and how as as we get older- you know, you get more settled into your your zone and you have to shake yourself up a little bit, right? Well, that was
2: a real (laughs) shakeup. It sounds
0: like it. And the other thing
2: was, I mean, I put aside eight months. So for eight months, that's all I did. Mm -hmm. I would work 14 hours a day at the restaurant. And we finally brought in a chef uh, we tried three different chefs; they mm-hmm. nobody worked out. And I know you understand all of mm-hmm. this. And then finally, we brought in someone, um, Gonzalo Rivera, who was extraordinary, who stayed with us for a couple of years. And then now we have Daniel Teyes, who comes from Mexico City, mm. and he's been with us now for—is it two? It must be three years. Mm. I was just shocked saying that, but anyway. So Daniel's great. Mm. So I am now there. In the cute clothes, walking around saying, <laughs> right. "How is everything?" <laughs> yeah. and, and I go really now to taste. I mean, I go to all the right. meetings. I go to taste. I, you know, and it's definitely still my concept of what I wanted. I never wanted big platters of rice and beans and right, right. heavy food. Uh, you know, I didn't want that kind of you know, kind of Americanized or Tex-Mex. Mm-hmm. I really wanted, you know, where we make every single thing and. Um, and just, you know, like making your own chorizo, making your own chipotle, just mm-hmm. every single thing. And then, uh, and that's what we've done. And I still want it to be light, fresh, clean. I mean, my background's Chez Panisse, So mm-hmm. I really wanted, you know, kind of Chez Panisse meets Mexico. So that's kind of what I've done.
0: Well, and have succeeded. So yeah. congratulations. Yeah,
2: we still have those 500 people. Wow. It's <laughs> done well. That, so anyway, I know that was a long story. No, so. no,
0: it's, it's, it, you know, I had not heard that before. And I love, first of all, the first thing I was thinking of during the tequila book is how awesome research must be for making a tequila book. That was (laughs) fun, because then I
2: got to go down to Mexico. So I've been down there, I've been three times. And drink a
0: lot of tequila. Yeah.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Drinking a lot of great margaritas. And, you know, I also taste the cocktails at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. We have a really great great bar manager who's doing Felix, who's doing an incredible job. And uh, it's fun. Yesterday, I was tasting three cocktails with him, three new ones, and I get to name a lot of them. I just named one. um, It was really a good name. It'll come to me.
0: Do you like mezcal?
2: I like mezcal, but I can't handle it if it's really smoky. Yeah, You know, it's fun. I was just down in Mexico City um, with Daniel, my chef. And um, he. what we noticed in Mexico City, and he knows he's from Mexico City, but there weren't there wasn't a single tequila drink. It was all mezcal cocktails,
0: all of them. I, I've noticed uh, stateside more and more mezcal is really getting a lot of attention, uh, uh, and people are really uh, paying the, the most attention that they've ever paid to the varietals and just how different they are, right. and which is which I think is amazing. Yeah.
2: yeah, we have several Mezcals at the restaurant, but we also have 130 tequilas, so. We have quite a good bar.
0: So how did you come? Is that is that where you were introduced to La Casa de las Madres was uh, the, the the charity? And I'm going to let you talk about that a little bit.
2: You know, um, that, Karen, uh, my assistant, is um, very much involved with it. And I um, have been really I've been involved with them because I think it's a great 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 charity but I do a lot of charity work Mm -hmm. I mean I I'm very involved also with Lifehouse in Mm -hmm. Marin Mm -hmm. um and then also Meals on Wheels and Edible Schoolyard Alice Mm. Waters only because I you know I'm from there Mm -hmm. from Chez Panisse and I really feel strongly educated educating uh kids I also do some work with WITS uh, wellness in the school so i do a lot of charity work mm-hmm. um but i don't dedicate myself to just one and mm-hmm. anyone that's listening please don't ask me to do more charity work <laughs> you know, i have my <laughs> well because you know a lot of things like i'll give a dinner now like how many saturday nights there because everybody wants the weekend right And i understand mm-hmm. but you know i'll do dinners giving away dinners daniel and i are doing giving away a dinner for life house and it's fun but no, you tell know, me tell me
0: story. about life house
2: so Lifehouse is a charity that where they do is they help, um, disabled kids, mm-hmm. um, kind of make their way in society. Mm. So, um, you know, just so they can be functioning and, uh, it's a great organization. It's excellent. Mm. And I feel strongly about that one because it's in Marin. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to do things that are in the city, East Bay and Marin.
0: <laughs> you, which adds to a long list of all the right. other stuff that that you're doing. Uh, yeah, in, in you know, when you had would told me about all the charities that that you're involved in when I was looking looking them them up and especially La Casa de las Madres that uh, has a 24 hour hotline for I domestic know. abuse. And right. and I was, you know, I was thinking that th- that is such a you I know, know a, you know, all charities are great, right? right? But that one was what was really standing out to me as just so necessary, right? right. Um, so thank you for participating yeah. in and that. And there's
2: also a facility, too, to take care of people. It's mm. just really a great one in the city.
0: Mm. That's, uh, that's really amazing.
1: And
2: I don't think they get enough support, too. So, I mean, yes, Alice Waters has a ton of backing, but I think the, the smaller charities like La Casa is a really good one for people to think about.
0: So... And then something else that 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 I read about you, you know, really struck me uh, about the American Chef Corp. And I know that other other chefs have 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 taken part in this. And and this was a government program, right?
2: Right. And it was actually started by Hillary Clinton, uh-huh. and um, so 120 chefs uh-huh. were um, inducted, and. Um, there were only i think in the first induction i'm pretty sure i'm right on this there were only 20 women so it was a huge wow. honor for me um and um but you know i don't think with the present administration that they're really <laughs> supporting this right now is it so. is it
0: still is it still an active program no mm-hmm. it's it's not active anymore it got dissolved yeah. as soon as that administration yeah. So came what were in. some of the kinds of things that you did with
2: it? We you know what it was not it was Um, I never did any activities because, um, I really just was inducted into it. We were Mm. all invited to the white house and which was, what was that? What was that like? I ended up because I was already traveling and I had a class that (laughs) night. I couldn't go, but I, I'm, but I, um, and then they ended up dissolving it, and I, no one got to do any events. I mean, it. I was in it for two years. Uh I would say, Uh but did I do anything? Not really. But Uh I really just took it as a great compliment.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know, obviously they thought you were doing something well to ask you, you know, to 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 do it and to come join it. It's funny. I've I've had the conversation in the past because I also teach you know cooking classes on on Spanish cuisine. And when you set a date, you know, you, you really protect that date like a little baby. Oh, you have and you and to. and like to cancel cl- and you know this because you you the the thing you do the most is teach, you know, and, and I
2: actually did more teaching before. Well, no, I teach a lot in Europe, not as mm-hmm. much around the US, but mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So but because that's how yeah. I met you originally was yes. the Drager's. Yes. As you would you would come and do mm. classes at Drager's and um You know, people really look forward to that class. And so when when you cancel it, it's just, you know, it's everybody, you know, for so many reasons just hates
2: it. I mean, you know, the other thing about that, Matt, is that you also feel badly for the people who... The school directors who's got to call, who has to call all mm-hmm. of those people. Just recently, um, Joe it, it just um, I don't want to go into it, but he ended up in the hospital, and um, mm. he I had to cancel two classes. Mm. I felt so bad. I've never canceled a class. Mm. Never. Because it's true. It's like written in stone. Mm -hmm. You cannot cancel a class. I just, and they had to call, especially one of them. I mean, they they had to, she had to call like 40 people. Mm -hmm. And the other one was even more. It just felt so badly, you know? But, and the people, and then, yeah, the people are disappointed, you know?
0: It it would be like canceling a night of acting. Like, you know, if you were like in a play and you're just like, sorry, I just, I
1: can't do tonight. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And believe me, the opening night, I actually thought about it. I was that terrified. It's like, would they miss me? Would they (laughs) mind? If we didn't do it, but yeah, <laughs> probably they would miss the. I lead. would imagine, yeah, 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 yeah probably. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so, so can we can we play a little game?
2: Okay, okay, it's <laughs> uh, I have to close my eyes. Anymore?
0: No, no closing, no closing <laughs> eyes. So, so it's a very easy game. It's called three things. Okay, you know, um, and there's no wrong answers. You just say the first three things that that, okay. that come to your mind. Um, so tell me. 3 rejected cooking show cooking show ideas. Oh gosh. 3 th- then these don't have to be real. The these oh, th- I these, see. these are th- 3 shows that would be bad ideas.
2: Um I can't stand the the wor- worst cooks. Those worst cook shows. You know what I mean? I don't wanna see worst cooks. I wanna see great cooks. So uh-huh. that would be one of one. them. One, okay. Okay. Oh, gosh, this is gonna be hard. Eric, can you help me? Um <laughs> let's see. Um what else do I think would be bad? How, you know um
0: like what would make you turn the channel like throw the tv out the window
2: i can't stand um reality tv shows i can't stand i honestly can't even they've asked me to be on those shows Uh and i've said things like you know what i can't even decide what to make for dinner (laughs) let alone get on there and like i would die i can't okay the other one is giving people a Basket of ingredients that includes uh-huh. things like lobster, Twinkies, and marshmallows. <laughs> that just for me is, right. I think it's a terrible thing to right. do Something food. amazing
1: out of this. Yeah. Right.
2: Just, okay. That was three. And I know it was. I, that no, might, that's good. The second one was probably no, big, that's, but.
0: No, that's, that, that, that's okay.
2: perfect.
1: <laughs> I think Eric's I like got one real. for you. Yeah. What would you say are your three biggest fears? In life? Sure, however you want to interpret it. And yeah, it's however you interpret.
2: Failure. Um, I know there's a lot of silence here. Dying, that was hard to say. Mm. But I think that Matt really likes this kind of stuff. I love it, I love it. Um, And I would have said losing my mom, but I lost her last Mm.
0: year. Sorry to hear that. Mm. Thank you for that.
2: It's just, by the way, the dying thing was just a recent thing I've been thinking about. After losing my mom, it was like you start thinking about that stuff, like... (gasps) Ooh. Yes. Like how did she feel? And you know, I mean? yeah. Oh, sorry. I know. That's no, no, weird, no, no. It's, yeah, it's no, not. I
0: but it's not weird. And it's well. The thing when I start to go down those paths... I think
2: actually Matt's kind of a therapist. So I'm just <laughs> <telling everyone laughs> that little. He's asking these big that's questions. When I
0: when I start to go down those paths, I think about you know how many people have been through it before us, right? I mean, millions, right? right. So it's so it's you know it's not like these things are unique to us. It's not to say that they're small things. They're big things. But for some reason, for me, it gives me some kind of uh, a, a hope and solace that that I'm not unique. Right, right. Right? Uh, but, but yes, it's, you know, I, I, growing up Jewish, I, like, fe- you know, feared death from,
1: like, the moment <laughs> I was yeah, born. Right. So it's, <laughs> right. just, it's just, like, in my yeah, DNA. Right. I want to believe uh, that nature has a plan for it. Like, it makes <laughs> it, like, if this is going to happen, that it's going to be peaceful and— right. Right.
2: Right. feel okay but I do think like, that that is how it is I mean I saw my mother was like that like she just kind of knew and mm. you know I think she just kind of welcomed it's okay yeah, you I know like she had gotten weaker and it's okay mm-hmm. and so it's crazy while you're feeling great to even think about that but that's me I told mm-hmm. you I'm always thinking ahead mm-hmm. or behind yeah. mm-hmm. you know it's really great to stay in the moment I know mm-hmm. that's very simple but mm-hmm. I can't believe I even said that out loud though actually I was sitting there thinking should I say it but it just came into my head you said so I said
0: no but it's, but it's can I be honest it, it, but it's not like somebody can point a finger at you and say, I've no one's ever feared that before. You know, right. it's so it's like yeah. it's 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 part of us, you right. know? And I was also listening to a, a new show where they uncovered a you know, uh, an ancient you know skeleton or whatever, and that person had lived to thirty, right? And so I always think about these things, right? right. It's like you know we're we're living in right. the hundreds now, right? Uh, in fact, I just watched this TED talk about they they pinpointed the oldest living society as a Sicilian village, right? Um, and they went and studied, you know, why people there were all living, you know, not all, but but many people were living over a hundred, right. and it came down to their their social circles right. and. Right. the people who were living the longest, they were having not only, uh, you know, intimate family relationships, but they were also the kinds of people who say hi to the mailman and, and, and say hi to, you know, if the milkman existed, right? You know, or the, the 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 people who are not necessarily super close with them, but they're in their everyday life, you know? Those are the kinds – so it makes you think twice, right, when you're right. at the grocery store right. about talking to the checker and being yeah. social, right?
2: Yeah, There is that – also a uh, friend of mine, Diane. And Kachilis lives in uh, the
0: Greek Greek yeah, cookbook yeah. author. What's uh-huh. her?
2: You know what her book is called? What is it? Um, cooking from the island where the people forget to die. Right. Because they live. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Last week I was with a friend having lunch. Um, she's going to work on my TV show, and she I didn't know this. Her mother's 106, and I was like, wow, wow,
0: that's that's amazing. I know. That's absolutely amazing to me. All right. So three underrated ingredients. Oh. Three ingredients that don't get enough play in your mind.
2: I just—I'm going to tell you what flashes in my head: fresh fennel, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. love. Okay, this is really wow. Okay, let me keep thinking. What about you, Eric?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Putting the pressure on me. (laughs) Well, but 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 you say fennel. I'll agree with fennel. I mean fennel is one of those things that and I think it's because I see it growing on the side of the road all over where I we know, are it's true. and it's like you know there's not much you can grab from the side of the road right i mean you know there there, there is and there isn't but but fennel is everywhere and it. and you walk past it and this the smell is just it takes you right away you know yeah. to to somewhere great
2: i know it's funny that's what i thought of i just and i'm trying to think of other things that i think are I mean, so many things are...
1: What about lavender?
2: Lavender. I mean, I like yeah. it, but it so well, it's so aromatic. Specific, it's specific.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, I mean, <laughs> I was thinking uh, of
1: things that like I've
0: seen growing around. Right, and yes. Like, yeah. Yes. And, and and I agree with you, but, but like, can you imagine a full meal where every dish had lavender in it? You'd wow. have to, oh. you'd have to yeah. be wow. very <laughs> creative to pull that right. one off, that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um,
2: maybe some, es- maybe escarole. I love, I love escarole. escarole. I love it. I think that's an underrated.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll agree with you 100% on that one.
2: Okay, Fennel, I'm a little slow on this one.
0: It's okay. Uh, we're, we're hopping back and forth between like death conversations right. and like and like <laughs> favorite and ingredients. Fennel. And fennel.
1: Stripping so, the gears right. for you.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm just still thinking. I'm looking up here at my plates, thinking, hey, there must be something up there. Um, wow. I think cherries.
0: Cherries are great.
2: Yeah. But they probably are really pretty much loved. I could just like, okay, I know one. pistachio. Yeah. Maybe mm. because I work a lot. I teach a lot in Sicily and um, they have from the town of Bronte, they have the most incredible pistachios. Mm. They're smaller and they're so flavorful. Pistachios. I have a I thing love about it. pistachios. See, I
0: love that. Fennel, pistachio, and escarole. Yeah. I'll agree with all those. Okay. And very, you know, very vegetable right. uh, centric. Yeah. That's great. And
2: they're, of course, all savory.
0: I love it. Um, one more.
1: Yeah, sure. Let's see. What What is something you do when you're having trouble sleeping to help you fall asleep at night?
2: Uh, I try to clear my mind, clear my mind, clear like my meditation mind. That's not easy or? for me because I kind of, my head just goes from one idea to yeah. another the and monkey mind uh, probably is a like little a- ADD. But um, anyway, uh, I would definitely say clear my mind, try to relax my body. Um, Yeah. What you, do you do. I'm looking for hip tips. Reading for is
1: my go to. Oh, That'll often yeah. help me fall asleep. Yeah. Right. The opposite, of course, being like right. watching Netflix on my iPad or
2: right.
1: know, screens. The only thing
2: about that, I think, is screens aren't as good for me because I get really like stimulated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: No, um, I'm sorry. Screen, yeah. screen being the opposite. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. see what me. you mean. The yeah. temptation is to always watch yeah, something. I know, and that always exactly. keeps me awake for yeah. so much longer than yeah. I need to be. Yeah. But if I just right. like bust out a New Yorker or a right. book or something, yeah. Yeah. That tends to be really helpful.
0: It said you're supposed to invert or stand on your head or put your legs up the wall. Wow. They, so if you... that That's what all the yoga teachers right. say. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I you know that. Is you, you, you sit up against the wall with your legs yeah. up the wall. Vibrita yep.
1: something. Mm-hmm. I never remember yes. the name of that pose. Yes. <laughs> so you basically,
2: sure. you're saying you're... You bend at the waist, mm-hmm. right? Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Or at the hips, and then your feet up the wall. Yeah, yeah. It yeah.
0: causes the the blood, blood flow to yeah. reverse, and and that's supposed. So next time I mean, you, have, you have trouble sleeping, yeah, you know, stick your feet up. You yeah. know, Joe may Joe may wonder what, or maybe yeah, he's a deep sleeper and he may not notice at sure all. So, not notice. You know, who knows?
2: No, he would probably hear me.
0: Um, well. Thank you so much for, for doing this. This has been, this has been such a, a great insight, you know, to, to, in, to inside your head, right. you know. So um, I, I really, like I said, can't thank you enough for, for participating in this. And thank you for listening.
2: Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you for listening to Food, Wine, and the Culinary Mind. Find us on all things social at Culinary
0: Mindcast and on the web canelasf.com
2: backslash podcast. Don't forget to rate us where you found us.